Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our colleague Noel is not here, but he will return shortly. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Matt, this is one that I hope we're both uh, equally excited about. Uh, it's something that... Uh, we have talked about, you and I, for many years. It's the concept of propaganda, right? Like, uh, what's the what's some of the propaganda you saw today, man? Uh, well, but before I even tell you that, it weirded me out a lot when I noticed that the change to the act that we're going to be talking about today occurred in the same year that our podcast went live. Which really freaked me out. And well, I know. And I was like, wait, am I an op? Like, is, are, is this di- what? <laughs> um, really freaked me out. So maybe us? I don't know. 
<laughs> Do you remember uh, over the years back in the like Apple video podcast and then the YouTube days, we would occasionally get comments accusing us of being uh, instruments of the state. Do you remember any of those? Oh, yeah. We, we still get accused of that today. Yeah. It's not stopped. I know. Uh, <laughs> well, and now well, I'm questioning yeah. it myself because of this episode. So let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Very well, then. Into the breach. Uh, folks, did you know your government spends tons of money, literal tons if you measure it, uh, attempting to shape the behavior and perception of people across the globe? We hope you can take that as a given because it is not a conspiracy theory. It is a true conspiracy. Uh, second question, have you ever thought about the ideas your government sells to you at home? No matter where you live, there's a reason you listen to shows like this. Uh, today's episode, the one and only Mr. Matt Frederick and I are going to talk about what happens when that sort of propaganda comes home to roost. So here are the facts. Um, Matt, you know, I, I think sometimes you and I get in a little bit of an information bubble. You know, we, I don't know about you, but sometimes I forget what is treated as like commonplace fact or just a reality of a situation may sound crazy when we talk to people outside our bubble. Would you say that we might be in some kind of info bubble? Yeah, and we're engaged in info, I don't know, what's the word? Warfare? <laughs> <laughs> well, like everybody else, we like to think we're the good guys, you know? <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, so I was hoping to open our episode today with you and I talking a little bit about propaganda while knowing that so many longtime listeners have heard, you know, if you're listening now, if you've listened for years or if you were there and you've been listening for 10 years, first off, thank you. Uh, secondly, oof, uh, propaganda is a real thing. And we tried to find like the most bare bones definition. The most bare bones definition is propaganda is any form of communication that is meant to persuade a given audience toward or away from a certain belief, sensation, or action. Snooze fest, huh? Yeah, a little, but I mean, that's what it is. And it's also, it's really just persuasion. Propaganda is using the written word, the spoken word, or uh, video images, sometimes even a still photograph, to persuade someone to think the way you want them to think or to get them to stop thinking the way they're currently thinking. That's really what it is. <laughs> right, right. Oh, gosh, nine out of ten doctors recommend. Mm -hmm. That's propaganda. Or um, another example, uh, Be Like Mike or something. Uh, you know, this Be Like Mike is an example of an advertising slogan that we use in a chapter of our book on propaganda, on the stuff they don't want you to know. And they, in this sense is anyone attempting to persuade you without full transparency to do the thing they want you to do. 
And that, that slogan was originally from a DraftKings piece of copy for an ad, right? Be like Mike or some other. Be like Mike. Music casino. It was, a, it was Mike Jordan, right? Yeah, it was, it was uh, for all like, his gambling, right? It was like, be like Mike, gamble all your money, something like that. No? <laughs> was it not like, was that not what it was about? <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> uh, uh, this is, uh, of course, the famous, uh, it's up there with uh, Just Do It, the Nike slogan, be like Mike, wear the Air Jordans, right? And you too can jump. You can't Dang. quite nail a slam dunk. Keep pumping those Reeboks, bro. Keep up in those as well. Different company. But yep. but uh, it, it's weird because the definition of propaganda that we are using, it is the absolute truth. It is persuasive, as Matt just said. But it's a dry definition. And it's a dry definition that loses a heck of a juicy history. Turns out every civilization... Every civilization outside of the Silurian hypothesis has been using propaganda like before writing back. I don't know, man. The Matt and I figured out one of the earliest examples of modern propaganda. We may just have figured out who invented the billboard. Yeah, I Iran, I guess. <laughs> Is that how it worked? Well, they, they, they called themselves uh, modern-day Iran. It was a different place back in the day. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, the Behistun inscription. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly or not. Uh, but it is, if, if you want to, you can look up a picture right now. Go ahead. Okay, cool. Uh, what you see, it, it may remind you of things like Mount Rushmore. Or if you're an Atlantan or near Atlantan, you may think about Stone Mountain. And those glorious stone inscriptions somehow that are still here. Uh, using glorious sarcastically. Okay, so uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting thing. And in a way, this is propaganda. Oh, yeah. It's created by... Uh, so the Behistun inscription is created by the, um, the administration, let's say, of a king of old, an emperor of old. His name, Darius I the Achaemenid Empire. Uh, Darius ruled this part of the world from about 522 to 486 BCE. And of course, remember the way BCE and CE works, 522 to 486, we're going toward the recent zero year. This thing, folks, it's huge. It's just like you described, Matt. It is a gigantic stone carving, uh, just like Gustav Borglum did with Stone Mountain, uh, just like, same guy, by the way, did with Mount Rushmore. You could also compare it to like Cristo Redentor in Brazil uh, or those giant Buddhas across the ancient world. It's 50 feet high. It's 82 feet wide. So it's wider than it is tall, big ingredient with billboards. And Matt, if uh, now you and I have both been able to read a little bit about the inscription and we've seen pictures of this thing that we have not personally visited, I would say it looks like a line of, oh, let's see, uh, do three taller figures on the left. 
and then a line of supplicants who are much shorter on the right. And that line of supplicants has about nine, nine or so uh, people in it. But what does the inscription talk about? I don't know. I can't understand any of this. (laughs) <laughs> sorry <laughs> i'll tell you what <laughs> well we we're reading through translation yes we are well it's mostly um i don't know a bit of a boast from darius the first and how awesome he is it's like man i can fight yeah what yeah i can fight i know how to fight i'm fighting good and uh <laughs> he also is like yeah i'm king too what good king look look at me also, hey, but props where they where they're supposed to go. The Zoroastrian god, he gets the props, but still I'm I'm the best. <laughs> right. Is that about and right? Also, <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. And also he uh also he does a typical award speech thing where at the very end he's like, you know, and thanks to uh thanks to God, you know, through whom all things are possible, his God at this point is a uh, Zoroastrian god, Ahura Mazda. Uh, no, Ahura. but it's, it's Ahura Mazda. So it's like Lieutenant Ahura and then Mazda. <laughs> Literally translates that way in, in English. This sculpture is meant to dictate history, and it's doing so at a time when global communication does not exist at near anywhere the present rate. Uh, it was meant to, let's say the quiet part out loud, control information and through that history and through that, the people who encountered this information and this history. Uh, There are probably earlier, older examples, but if we wanted to give an award for best early billboard, it might be our guy Darius. Yeah, I think so. Shout out to you. Yeah. And he never got to drop an album, not once. Really sad, actually. Not once, too busy killing people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, on our show, we always, we give our props or our awareness about propaganda to Edward Bernays, the guy who wrote the book, uh, Propaganda. And, well, even other folks who are still prominent in global politics, like Henry Kissinger. I can't even Ooh. do his voice. Ooh, you nailed it. Um Kissinger. Yep, yep, I can't do it either. It's got <laughs> a certain... Kissinger. No, it's... it's de- mm, I don't know. I, I bet I can do it. I bet I can... Um, Peter Piper picked a pickle, pickle. Yeah. Paper. There's a little bit of <laughs> Werner Herzog that's got to be in yeah, there too, and it's yeah, tough yeah, to yeah, like yeah. find the line between Herzog and Kissinger for me. So you and I are going to work on that, and uh-huh, we'll uh-huh. do it. But right now, what we have to do real quick, we're give us a breaking news update, Paul. We have to check this every time we talk about Henry Kissinger. Matt, fellow conspiracy realist, I am confirming he is alive. As we record this on October 17th at 4.43 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. Man, it's a little bit before this comes out. Okay, we'll we'll see. Yeah, Hopefully, yeah, we're playing a dangerous game. <laughs> so, so here we go. We gave you an example of very very early propaganda, just to establish that it is a known human technology, even before Edward Bernays normalized and templatized it in the West. People 
understood the battle for hearts and minds, as it's sometimes awkwardly called. And now we're in this current age of endless, ubiquitous information. It's fertile soil for propaganda, you know, like how many people woke up before they heard this podcast and and uh, and thought and tried to count like you and I did years ago. We tried to count how many advertisements we saw in a given 24 hours. And I think we both gave up. Did you ever get there? I gave up at like 200 something. I don't have it written down anywhere. And thus, I don't remember. There we go. We need a big stone billboard. You know what I mean? We mm -hmm. need to do like a Darius thing. So you probably woke up today before you heard this and you had some source reaching out to you that said, hey, buy this or hey, try that or hey, especially now in the US, vote for or against this person. Maybe you hear a voice sliding in, perhaps even on the show that says, hey, you want one Whopper? We'll give you two. Just pay for what? <laughs> yeah. Lately, at least around our parts, it's been, don't listen to this candidate because he paid this other person $700 once and it was for a bad thing. Uh, so don't disregard everything he has to say. And then on this side, oh, that person used to be a pastor. Don't listen to anything he has to say. Oh, also, he likes uh, this president and listens to what that president says. So don't listen to him. <laughs> and it's just constant. <laughs> And and millions of people are just saying, I want this YouTube ad to be over. Yeah, so, exactly. So, so that's it. That's where we get um that's where you get things like nine out of ten doctors recommend. That kind of somewhat vacuous language that is meant to seem authoritative. And at this point, I think Matt and I can agree that most people would be on board with the following statement which is this various global and regional entities are aware of how much information you're getting and how little time you have to check on it and to drill down into sources. Therefore, it's reasonable and accurate to assume that we encounter some form of propaganda each and every waking day. I cannot, Matt, I cannot wait to hear our fellow listeners send their favorite weird propaganda. Yeah, we're down. We're, we're here for it. Send it our way. Whatever you think, even if you're not sure if it's propaganda, we want to check it out because it probably is. Mm -hmm. And we all know advertising, you know, a multi-billion dollar propagandistic business uh, is quite successful. We also, I mean, there are advertisements on this show. We also know that other private entities who may not necessarily advertise to you the end consumer, they spend millions and millions of dollars shoring up their image, not just selling you stuff, like shoring up their image to investors, to shareholders, which are their ultimate masters, uh, which most of us will never meet. And we know that governments can spend billions of dollars over time. Here's the thing, though. The U.S. is no exception. The U.S. has a long track record of information warfare. And today's question is, what happens when all that propaganda meant for all the other people in the world, except for the U.S., comes home to roost? We're doing a dramatic pause? Or are, we, are we going to sponsors? It, I think we're going to sponsors, weird. yeah. Yeah, it feels weird, right? 
We just talked about propaganda. Well, here's yeah, some propaganda. Yeah, that, that is weird, isn't it? Huh? <laughs> God. Anyway, buy our book. Here's some ads. <laughs> CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Here's where it gets crazy. Matt, this is... Oh, man, man. This has been on our list for a while. Sure. What is the Smith? What what is the Smith Montact? Ah, uh, well, we can start right there if we if we want. The Smith Munt Act is an act, as you may assume, it's a piece of legislation, a law, if you will, in this great country of the United States. I pledge allegiance to it and its flag and all the other stuff. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> It goes back to an older law that we have discussed before on this show, though I don't know how much uh, here and then how much just in person with each other, but the Information and Educational Exchange Act of 1948. That's actually just the the formal name, I guess, of the Smith Munt Mm. Act. It gets that way in the U.S. sometimes, depending on who is sponsoring a bill or who actually wrote the legislation. Those names will get associated with it more so than even what the bill does. It's like it's really like the <laughs> Zoroastrian god sculpture of like 
the words of a law or the title of a law. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, uh, the inventors who name the thing after themselves in a sudden bout of humility. Right. But the, there's a reason we didn't call this show, uh, uh, Matt, Ben and Noel. We could have called it the Frederick winter experience or the Thomas Bolin extravaganza. <laughs> well, well, well played. Well, well, well played, man. We're on, we're on some thin ice on that one. Ooh, oh, geez. Really? Okay. Yeah, I like, man. I, like I got to get through customs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's always best, uh, fellow travelers, it's always best to go through official channels. So the Smith-Munt Act, or as you said, like the real, like the name it is when it has a tie on is the U.S. Information Educational Exchange Act, passes in 1948 under the Truman administration, and we got to get in the weeds just a little bit with this thing because most of us listening today have never heard of this. Uh, except maybe, maybe you got a blip about 10 years ago, which we'll get to. But uh, Matt, what did, what did this do? Why, why does it matter? Why are we talking about this on a show that applies critical thought to conspiracy theories? Well, because it authorized the United States government to propagandize to other countries, places across the globe as a like strategic, I don't know, an arm of diplomacy and even in a way to aid military. It's, it's a very strange thing. The way this, the way the Smith Munt act, the powers that it gives the government, the way it evolves is strange and weird and creepy. And that's why we're talking about it today, but that's ultimately what it did. Uh, we've got a quote here. It allowed the U.S. State Department to communicate with foreign audiences via things like, quote, broadcasting, face-to-face -face contacts, exchanges, including educational, cultural, and technical, the publishing of books, magazines, and other media of communication and engagement, and guess who gets to pay for it? Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. It's you. Oh, wait, as in all of, all of yes. the people living in the United States. Mm-hmm. Oh, tight. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it also, uh, this thing also, one fell swoop. It regulates broadcasting of what they called programs for foreign audiences created by the State Department. And for a long time, this law, the Smith-Munt Act, while it let the State Department spout whatever kind of misinformation, even disinformation at wish to foreign shores, it also said, hold up, don't bring it home. You can, you know, you can tell the USSR whatever you wish. You can tell Latin America whatever you wish, but you keep your hands off those voters in Poughkeepsie. Yeah, that's right. You may think about it as BBC America, at least if you're living in the United States, you know that the British Broadcasting Corporation has direct ties to the British government. And you may think, oh, well, it's just like the U.S. having, you know, uh, NBC and it's just international and you can just put NBC out now in Azerbaijan. But no, 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 it's not like that. 
It's not the same thing. Not at all. Not one whit, unfortunately. Uh, you know, this is... Uh, so this gives rise to things like uh, Voice of America, right? Voice of America is a tremendously pervasive radio network. I had to choose my words carefully. I know you saw me doing it, but uh, uh, I wouldn't say it's tremendously well-loved, but it is tremendously pervasive, uh, way more pervasive than you might notice if you are tuning in in Missouri or Austin or Boston or Chicago or what have you. What this means in plain terms is this. Here's what the law says. It says, okay, let's imagine there is a PSYOP going on. The official term for that would be an information operation. But we're friends listening now, so we can call it what it is. It's a PSYOP. Uh, somewhere in the world, uh, let's make up a place uh, just for funsies. Alumistan? Is that perfect? That oh, tight. Okay. So, uh, Alumistan. Let's say Uncle Sam has produced a number of radio programs, publications, pamphlets, and uh, broadcast television spots that are all meant to persuade the good people of Alumistan that their government needs to change. Either change a specific policy, you know, allow private industry in to those precious. Uh, what kind of resources does Alumistan have, Matt? Uh, mostly phosphorus. Okay. And uh, there are a couple things that are used for LED manufacturing, I guess, because it's, it's there we bright go. in Alumistan. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wish you guys could see Matt's face right now. It's perfect. Uh, so the, uh, okay, yeah, that's why they're called Alumistan. Oh, and, so, and they're not just saying, hey, your your government needs to change Alumistan. They're also saying, like, and in between those major messages, you're getting, like, uh, democracy is, like, best. It is just great. Also, capitalism. I mean, uh -huh. so much money in capitalism and wealth for your family, for your family. And uh, America, also pretty great, honestly. <laughs> right. Also pretty great. <laughs> I love this. So, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And just so that is a terrifyingly accurate description of this sort of approach. So they would say, okay, with the passage of the Smith-Munt Act, the U.S. State Department, which has the most above-board expertise in foreign countries and geopolitics, they can do this. They can go to a Luma stand and say, you know, uh, whatever they need to, by hook or by crook, to persuade people to make more U.S.-friendly policies, especially around resource extraction. Uh, they can also, you know, they're not above saying, here's why your current leaders are bad, right? Why do they keep holding the phosphorus away from you? Don't you want your family to have a better life? Say yes to capitalism. Uh, uh. Look, I know, to be clear, this was a, uh, a little bit of a different time in the U.S. Uh, civil discourse, which means people were a bit more honest about what they actually wanted. So to be very clear, these people, now Smith and Munt, the namesakes of this, they are long dead. Uh, but 
everyone, their opponents and their critics, alike. They knew this law was a green light for propaganda, pure, unadulterated, persuasive argument. The truth is okay if it fits the narrative, but otherwise, you know, don't waste too much time thinking about that. Don't look behind the curtain. Uh, it was controversial from the start, but one thing I think that really amazed us, man, was that it wasn't controversial because of the concept of greenlighting propaganda and lying to the American public, potentially. It was, <laughs> it was controversial for much more specific reasons. Well, yeah. Uh, when you're in the government, you've got, theoretically, the three arms that wield power within the government, Right. You've got the president and the the White House that holds, you know, one of the what the, the one of the triumvirate of the powerful. Uh, you've also got the judicial branch and you got the legislative branch. And theoretically, all of those people that wield the, you know, the tri powers, they are comfortable in those those three spaces, always vying for a little bit more in their own thing. But uh they're comfortable with that. And with, with this act, you're basically handing quite a bit of power over to this thing called the State Department, the diplomacy arm, the outward-facing thing that uh, is there. I guess it's not fully an arm. It's a tentacle. A tentacle sort. of the executive. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's an antenna. No, but in this case, it would need to be able to emit sound. So a really long snout. No, that doesn't work either. <laughs> like an anteater? Yeah. <laughs> like an antenna that has a... Mouth mandible on it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, please draw us, draw us that. We would love to see the rendering. Uh, so, yeah. So Congress, especially, being of the legislative rather than the executive branch, is saying, what happens if they start shilling this will to U.S. voters? Is there any oversight? There's always a turf war. That's what I think you're describing, right? So would there be any way for other branches of the government to stop things if our pals in the DOS get a little bit too squirrely? Uh, and will there be any fallout to us? Because God knows we need those people to vote every two to four years, and we want to be the favorite one. So, you know. <laughs> Lots of little panic, and I don't know, man, maybe I'm being unfair to say it sounds like a turf war, but we know this, right? Because we know if, like, if you're listening to this show today, you know whether or not you have military or uh, civil service experience, you know that numerous federal offices, numerous branches of the armed forces, they're all constantly fighting with each other. They're at loggerheads. They're bumping heads about budgets. But what amazed us about this was the problem in the 1940s ran deeper. The Cold War is ramping up. Congress is not concerned about lying to the American public. Actually, they're not concerned at all. You know what I mean? Uh, they just dropped an atomic bomb twice. And, and they're more concerned with the State Department and whether or not it is compromised by what they see as their new supervillain, their new nemeses, the USSR. Yeah, and all their communism. Ew. 
<laughs> Sorry, they're making so me say much, that. <laughs> so much, so much communism. <laughs> no, but it really was a fear. I mean, pretty much around that era, you can imagine that many officials, especially people who ran institutions that have been around for a long time, uh, like what was then the FBI, uh, you know, CIA, there's a real fear that the other, one of these other groups, these big powerful entities is in some way compromised by this thing that you don't like, which is ultimately a thought virus to them. I mean, it is it's like you get infected with communism somehow. Um, so in, and in the, and in the weird way, what they're proposing to do with this act is to insert thought viruses across the planet, right? That like into the enemies, I will shoot thought viruses into your brain. Yes. I'm so glad you put it this way because you are absolutely correct. That is the ultimate mission. That is the end goal. That's the successful deployment of this sort of armament. Uh, the, uh, you know, the now dead folks in Congress uh, thought genuinely, it seems, that the State Department had been compromised. And they said, if we give the State Department this much control, uh, they're, <laughs> it's weird because this is like, this is getting to peak Cold War era. You know, there's a red scare always on the horizon. You cannot trust anyone that you trust. So the idea then is that the State Department is infiltrated by communists. And if they get the uh, they get their hands on the wheel of this information operation, I'm being very diplomatic here, then they will perhaps create a fifth column. They will create a domestic representation of pro-Russian policy. And then boom, gone are the Q4 profits. Boom, gone are the, you know, is the status quo. There might be a new emboldened communist movement in these, the United States. There are some great quotes about this. Uh, we got one. There's a guy who is uh, going back and forth about this, a guy we need to introduce. His name is Eugene Cox. And Eugene Cox is a Democratic representative from Georgia. Keep in mind, this is still like the era of Dixiecrats, they call them locally. So he's not, the, he's not necessarily what you think of when you hear Democrat in 2022. Anyway, this guy, our buddy Gene, he chaired the House Rules Committee at the time of this bill's passage, and uh, he was super mad about the whole thing. He definitely didn't like the Foreign Affairs Committee. They were 10 toes down on passing this act that gave the State Department all this propagandistic power. Uh, he didn't really mince his words either. Our boy Gene said things like the following. We'll give you a couple of quotes. And we're going to do funny voices because we want to make sure that everyone listening knows we don't necessarily agree with these statements. These are this guy's words, not our own. So old Gene Cox is angry at the Foreign Affairs Committee. He probably thinks they're a bunch of commies too. And he says the following. He says this law is, quote, a worthless committee consisting of worthless, impotent congressmen. 
It was a kind of ghetto of the House of Representatives. Uh, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's him. I love it. I, lo- I love it. <laughs> I think uh, we all decided we like that. I don't know. What is that? That's like the foghorn. That's it. That That's just glorious. That's just glorious. And we'll continue with something he said about the State Department. He said it was the lousiest outfit in town. And he also said it was chock full of reds. <laughs> Amen. Take him to church. Take him to church, Representative Cox. Uh, as you can tell, this was not a particularly collegiate environment in Congress. Still, the thing passed, and it passed for one reason. Despite all the sound and fury signifying nothing, despite all the bluster, the U.S. Congress knew that the USSR, the Soviet Union, was already producing a ton of propaganda on its own. You know what I mean? You're, you're like right to the west of what would be called the Iron Curtain. There's a lot of, there's a lot of time, thought, and energy being put into persuading you that life will be better under, uh, under their specific regime. Well, let's not forget that this, you know, this group of government officials had recently seen propaganda at its perhaps most effective in history, which was during the reign of the Nazi party in Germany, when they, you know, were just constantly, never ceasingly promoting the Nazi party, both from, uh, to the outside world, as well as in on the inside of the places that they continually took over as they advanced across Europe. So, I mean, they knew exactly what this stuff could do. Yeah, just so, you know, and they might not have even known of Darius One and his awesome billboards, but they they knew what worked. And we'll, we'll see, like, also clearly, uh, the Nazi party pre-World War II had a ton of supporters in the United States and some very powerful people. Uh you know, uh, it's funny, too, because uh, the U.S. also uh, had some very pro-eugenics sentiments and, honestly, policies. Uh, this is a part of history that often gets ignored, but, you know, this is where we have to say, check out our book if you would like to learn more. <laughs> so <laughs> You don't have to take our word for it. Just ask your doctor. Stuff they don't want you to know. It's good for you. <laughs> uh, so the this Smith Month Act it passes because people disagree on the consequences, but they know that the problem, the danger, the new theater of war is very real. And this act goes through multiple amendments over time and. You know, fewer and fewer people outside of the political class are paying attention to it. But the clear thing is, from the 1940s on, everybody who could make a decision knew the Cold War was real. And it existed on an unprecedented new battlefront, a non-physical battlefront. Oh, yeah, man. Hearts and minds across the world were at stake, and there was only one way to ensure your thought virus was the one 
<laughs> that prevailed? Snored. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we're having too much fun. But like before we go to commercial break, we have to we have to acknowledge one thing, I think, man. A lot of our fellow conspiracy realists are listening to this now and they're going, hang on, just a second, Matt, Ben, or whatever they call you, doesn't the U.S. have a history of propaganda well before the 1940s? Well, yes, and no, kind of, but mostly yes. The the U.S. did stuff, I, I don't know, the best example for me is Prohibition. And that's when uh, it w- there were clear messages put out by the government about the evils of this substance and how if we want to be the best America we can be, we got to kick the alcohol problem that we've all got. Uh, that's, that's what sticks most clearly in my mind. But it's not just that. There's more, right? Sure. Even if we don't count advertisements and political ads, you can look at uh, World War II PSAs. That would be very recent uh, during the time Smith-Munt Act passed. Uh, you could also look at the uh, smear campaign, racist, racially based, uh, against uh, cannabis, right? Uh, why is this different, though? Why is this propaganda different? Well, first, Uncle Sam did not want to be seen as lowering itself to Russian standards. Uh, members of Congress would say, look, the Soviet Union is using domestic propaganda to control their nation. We're above that. Our voters are informed. Uh, And, you know, to be clear, regardless of uh, anybody's opinions, politically or geopolitically, modern Russia, the descendant of the USSR, definitely uses domestic propaganda today. Shout out RT. And there are a lot of people who say, shout out, you know, Fox News or MSNBC, all the hits. Uh, but it's true. The U.S. did not want to seem like it was lockpicking the minds of its own voters. And secondly, it didn't trust itself. Uncle Sam didn't trust itself. Privately, I love the point you raise about uh, Nazis, Matt, because Privately, members of Congress during this time and in decades, uh, decades to come, they were concerned that there might be another sort of infiltration, that uh, national socialist descendants would be coming into the State Department, spreading, you know, dog whistles, creating propaganda that would further divide an already divided nation. What they didn't know what would shake out. Basically, they didn't know what would happen, but they did know they were opening a dangerous door. So they added a caveat to the Smith Munt bill that said, hey, State Department, you can go ham, say whatever wild stuff you want to Azerbaijan, to Alumistan, to, you know, China, to the USSR, uh, whatever. Just, you know, go with the flow, feel it out, but don't bring it back home. And they said, look, U.S. residents traveling abroad might encounter this stuff in the wild. But if you play it for a domestic audience, you are breaking the law. That is, at least, until 2012, just 10 years ago, when all the rules for propaganda changed in the United States. 
We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be back. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity, 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. We open on a local dictator watching the news. He's conquered millions, but you know what they say. Even bad guys can have bad days. Man, I can't believe it. I've checked cable, all the streaming sites, and the public is still against all my crazy wars. I keep buying all the journalists I can, but they're just not playing ball. Curse their stupid ethics. I'll destroy them. What's a dictator to do? Who's that? Hello, problem friend. Where's this darn information age? Back in my day, you could just put out the official truth, hold a parade, and execute a few dissidents. But now it's like everyone has a microphone, and that makes my microphone matter even less. Oh, I understand. Have you tried killing everybody? Oh, come on. I can't kill everybody. Or... Hold that thought. There might be a better way. What if I told you you could start your own series of microphones, TV broadcasts, radio programs, books, fake social media accounts, all saying one easily programmed, super consistent message, all in one product? Say, what's a problem you're grappling with? Well, the Born Lumistam, for one. Hmm. 
Have you thought about ending it? Well, no, I'm a dictator. Wars are sort of my thing. Well, then it sounds like we've got just the thing for you. Presenting Propaganda, the newest product from our friends at Illumination Global Unlimited. Just sign up at our low introductory rate and voila! We'll use our patented Bernays Arrays system to put your pro-war message out consistently, infiltrating every part of your country's waking days. We'll also muddy the waters, drowning out all those nasty anti-war messages. Well, I've tried that, but it doesn't work. People know I made it up. They just turn off the TV. Ah, but that's the thing. This time, they won't know it's you. Propaganda uses a wide array of seemingly unrelated brand names, none of which can be traced back to you, all seeming to agree on whatever your message happens to be. Just watch. We here at Independent Media want to once again implore our fellow citizens to do the right thing. The war in Illumistan is a war for justice, a war for peace. Oh, gee, this is, well, this is perfect. Thank you, pal. Hey, I didn't get your actual name. And that means our plan is a success. Illumination Global Unlimited, putting the pro in propaganda. Propaganda may not be legal in all regimes. Check with your local rubber stamp legislators. Propaganda may in some cases cause widespread socioeconomic side effects, including but not limited to revolution, domestic dissent, self-immolation, Orwellianism, pinkos, decentralized protests, centralized protests, aggregation of fluoride in the pineal gland, popsy, dropsy, scurvy, swervesy, bunkum, jankum, population explosions, literal explosions, population declines, and economic chaos. If you are hearing this, you are a target. Everything is true and nothing is permitted. At the sound of the bell, you will either wake or fall further into a programmed state of slumber. Propaganda, a subsidiary of Illumination Global Unlimited. Welcome back, and also welcome back to 2012, when a new version of the National Defense Authorization Act, you know it, you love it, it happens all the time, uh, it gets re-upped. Well, they came in with a sneaky little amendment, and guess what it did? Um, what do they call it? It's that thing we used to have back in the day. Oh, they legalized propaganda from the U.S. government to be disseminated within the United States and target you. And you probably didn't hear about it, honestly. Yeah, and, you know, no blame. On anybody, uh, this act was huge, G- gigantic bill. Like like you said, Matt, the Defense Authorization Act. You know it, you love it. It happens often, right? Don't call it a comeback. Uh, this time, the defense bill had a six hundred and forty-two billion dollar price tag. It had a lot of other controversial stuff in it too, like legalizing indefinite detention in that flies in the face of pretty much all jurisprudence in the U.S. beforehand. Also, just for a side note, prohibited gay marriage on military bases. Weird things are hidden in this bill. Supporters said the change would help fight borderless enemies. They're talking about terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda. Their propaganda at this point and today already reaches tons of U.S. citizens online. So they said, look, uh, we are going to fight the fight in the theater it's being held. We need to be able to effectively lie to the American public. Uh, Critics said this will turn a massive global, again, what's our term? Information operation against the very people who is meant to protect U.S. citizens. And folks were talking trash about this, but the problem is a lot of 
a lot of folks who were close to the game had to talk trash anonymously. Uh, I'm thinking in particular of one Pentagon official who said the quiet part out loud. We need a gruff as nails military voice for this one. This new law removes the protection for Americans. It removes oversight from the people who want to put out this information. There are no checks and balances. No one knows if the information is accurate, partially accurate, or entirely false. Matt, where did you go? I don't you know. were, you got uh, replaced hey, for a second. Hey, man. <laughs> Sorry. It's like a werewolf, except you transform into into a joint chief of staff. There for a <laughs> That's second. right. Uh, okay, this source is so well done. This source argues that the Smith-Munt Act uh, is targeted because it's preventing disseminating propaganda meant to garner support for unpopular policies like wars in Ding, Iraq, or wars in ding, Afghanistan, or wars in ding, 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 the next ones. So this source, as well as other critics, were freaked out that this 2012 act that made it legal, U.S. residents, listen, this made it legal for your government to lie to you. They were freaked out that it passed under the radar. Most U.S. residents, the majority, didn't learn about it till after it was too late. And again, a significant portion of the U.S. does not know about this today. Well, what are you going to do as a U.S. citizen? Are you going to call your senator and say, hey, please don't pass that entire huge National Defense <laughs> Authorization Act because right. there is one thing in it that we don't like. So we're just going to have to sit on it. Uh, you're going to be the squeaky wheel and all of your colleagues are going to want to pass it. But uh, sorry, yeah, you don't get to because I'm one voter and I'm saying please don't. Right. And I, I went to a high school class about how democracy works. Mm -hmm. Please don't make that unreal for me. <laughs> so the USA Today had already found, oh, all right, there's a thing that happens. So this is the State Department doing propaganda. The Pentagon's already doing propaganda. And a lot of reporting about this act, people sort of conflated the things, which shouldn't be conflated. The Pentagon has its own Cadillac in this car show. And the uh, some intrepid reporters at USA Today found that the Pentagon already spends something like $4 billion a year to sway public opinion. $4 billion. Again, not to be too Mike Myers about it. In 2011, the year before this propaganda green light hit, on you, if you're listening and live in the U.S., the DOD, Department of Defense, had already spent $202 million on information ops, psyops in just Iraq and Afghanistan. And as for those USA Today reporters who broke that spending story, they were targeted, likely by Pentagon contractors. These contractors made fake social media accounts. They did their best to discredit those reporters. I'm just saying where there's smoke, dot, 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 ellipses, until this 2012 change. Oh, man, so much programming. That was, uh, we were talking about this off air. Matt, BBG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Broadcasting Board of Governors. It's a weird thing. You probably don't know about it. I didn't know 
really anything about it until this episode. And I, I've got years ago when we talked about this, but it's a weird, there's a whole group of systems in place that the entire purpose of those systems is to propagandize other countries. That's like the voice of America thing that we just talked about this thing. Oh, it's the IBB, but it's something different, but I can't remember the international. Oh, I can't remember what it is. Hold on. I'm going to find, I'm going to remember this. The IBB became something else. The international broadcasting bureau which is an independent agency of the United States government. And I think it became something else called the U.S. Agency for Global Media. It's just, have you heard of these things? I have not heard of these things. These, this is crazy. This is not a court of law. I am not required to make a statement. <laughs> oh, snap. All right. <laughs> You're right, though. You're right, though. The names change, right? And they can seem... Um, they can all seem innocuous and they can all seem unrelated. That's a very big part of the story, man. And there's others. Uh, I'm just going to name some of these off. Um, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, the Middle East Broadcasting Networks. Uh, there's a, a whole list of them that you can find online. Um, it, it is just very strange because until this 2012 change, you had to be in a different country, not in the U.S., to hear any of that stuff. But as we mentioned just briefly earlier, because of an online presence of these, you know, everything has an online presence now. We're in 2012, remember. Uh, You can access that information, but you got to know what it is, where to find it, and how to gain access to it. Mm -hmm. And this programming can vary in tone, quality, and content, but it's got a huge reach. Make no mistake, it's viewed in more than 100 countries in probably more than 61 languages at this point. And the topics include stuff like human rights abuses in Iran, which is a true thing, self-immolation in Tibet, which is also a true thing, human trafficking, uh, there's on-the-ground reporting in the Middle East. Altogether, that doesn't sound too bad, right? Uh, And that's where we get the statements from supporters, like spokespeople for Voice of America and people who support aiming propaganda at the United States domestic audience, they say, one, we're not saying that this isn't propaganda. We're just saying this stuff is important because, you know, we got to counter this anti-American, you know, pro-terrorist sentiment. And then second Which is true, right? I mean, it is true. Sentiment against the United States is strong in many parts of the world. And the, these groups, specifically the IBB and the BBG, they, their mission is to counter, literally to counteract that programming that's being offered essentially by enemies, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And uh, second, the supporters would say there's a potential advantage in targeting insular-based, often expat communities in the United States. There's a great article in Foreign Policy that describes how uh, this sort of stuff can reach uh, a large Somali expat community in St. Paul, Minnesota. If you're familiar with St. Paul, you know that there is a large uh, there is a large community of people. Uh, from Somalia, descended from or have moved from. And in parts of Somalia, supporters of these propaganda movements will argue you only have a few news sources. You have 
pro-jihadist stuff, you have word of mouth, and then you have like Voice of America in some sort of weird brand name that doesn't <laughs> sound like such an op. So they're saying, you know, you can reach people this way. And then the third argument, transparency. The U.S. taxpayer is paying for it. Why can't they see what they're paying for? Won't this solve the problem? I would posit that last point would make sense if it didn't come off hypocritical because uh, we can fast forward through some of this. The U.S. is already waging information warfare online through proxies, right? Uh, it's, it's throwing the brick and hiding its hand all across the world. 2013, the Washington Post noted the military is more focused on manipulating news and commentary on the internet, especially social media, by posting material and images without necessarily claiming ownership. So from that, we can say the transparency is good. It seems only so long as that transparency makes the propagandist look good and supporters of this movement will say, okay, hey, this isn't about the Pentagon. That's a different conversation, which is a lot like, <laughs> don't bother me. I'm trying to make a point here. Either way, this one little law is the tip of a much larger iceberg. It's the stray brush of paint in the foreground of a, of a bigger, more disturbing picture. I, I mean... You know, we're going long on this one. We can summarize, but if you've listened to our earlier episodes, you know already that uh, that the U.S. government has created sock puppet social media accounts. Uh, there's software being used by the U.S. government uh, to monitor and intervene in social media debates. We know that there were also psyops deployed against not American civilians, not just American civilians, but U.S. politicians visiting Kabul in 2001. That was under uh, General William Caldwell. And the spookier aspect of this, I think, Matt, is something I, like you and I were thinking about this in group mind kind of stuff. This domestic propaganda, like the foreign stuff, it's not a scattershot necessarily. It can be very, very targeted with a disturbing degree of accuracy. Yeah. I mean, that means particular religions or belief systems can be targeted, or at least the population of people can be targeted. If they believe a certain thing and they watch certain channels, let's see, on, t on television or if they're in certain social media groups, you know, that could be really dangerous. You could also target people based on their ethnicity uh, or, you know, any other things like their sexual orientation, right? With what social media companies have on each and every one of us, any number of groups can be targeted. I mean, it's infinite, really. Yeah. And the scary thing is, maybe this is where we end today's exploration. The scariest thing is this change occurred in 2012. That means while you are listening to this today, if you have not heard of this idea before, it has been happening for a decade in the United States. Now, there's more to the conversation we can ask, you know, what is the right of the taxpayer? What is the, um, what is the right of, uh, you know, what's the importance of informed consent to information? Is it the lesser of two evils, you know, if if the U.S. didn't make this call 
would it just be inundated by more psyops from other countries or private entities does how close does it get to the slippery slope of uh living in an information bubble like the democratic people's republic of korea or north korea those might be questions for another day i think well for me it's it's how can i trust anything any official message that the government sends me when i know they have the ability to and are well within their legal rights to bs me about stuff like what do i trust then that that Don't messes BS with me. a BSer. Yeah. well it, it messes with me when i think about that um and i'm not somebody who's particularly anti united states government you know at all or whatever i just i can't trust i can't trust them if i know they can lie to me like that and it's cool a hundred percent and this is where we pass the torch to you, fellow conspiracy realists. We cannot wait to hear your opinions. In the interest of full disclosure, yes, Matt and I are aware that there is a high likelihood several of our audience members today may have firsthand knowledge of the operations we are describing. If so, we cannot wait to hear from you. What do you think? What do you think about this devil's bargain in information warfare? Is it worth it? Run the cost-benefit analysis. If you, like Matt or uh, your faithful correspondent here, cannot trust the, uh, the statements of officials because of the repeal of this part of the Smith-Munt Act, then where does it leave U.S. society? What is the role of information in this, <laughs> in this crazy game that everybody is is playing. I I don't know. I we can't wait to hear from you. Find us online, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Also, we have a uh, we have a book. Uh, we can't wait to hear what you think about that. If you don't sip the social meads, if the propaganda, the sock puppets, and the bots just became too much for you, if you're a more like person to person, voice to voice communication type entity then we have another way for you to contact us yes download our audiobook uh but also we have a phone number it is 1-833-STDWYTK when you call in you've got three minutes it's a voicemail do whatever you want please give yourself a cool nickname can't wait to hear what that is let us know if we can use your name and your message on one of our listener mail episodes and uh, really have fun. If you got more to say than you can fit in that three-minute voicemail message, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.